the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. Hey, some good news, California. Things in your state are going to get even better. You now have to have women uh, on uh, the uh, board of directors for your uh, for your company. If you've got all men, out of luck. Government's going to tell you that's not enough now in California. Yes. Yes. They're just helping you. And net neutrality has returned to California. Governor Jerry Brown just signed into law more or less the same Obama era law that regulated the Internet on a federal level. So now you're by the way, California. Do you know why it costs you so much money to, to pump gas to your into your car in California? You can go right across state lines is a lot cheaper. You ever knows that? Yeah. When you travel elsewhere. It's not because we have gas ferries. It's because the government doesn't tell us that we need super special blends that only exist in California. That's why you pay so much. But don't worry about it. I'm sure this will be completely different when you just regulate the Internet differently. Before we get into the dumpster fire that is this, let's let's take a look at the state of California. The People's Republic of California, Stan, uh, it, they, I, I'm just saying, I think they hate having business done within their borders. Is there any other way to look at this? I just despise business. It is literally you against the state and you, the American business owner, caught behind the Iron Curtain of California. They have... Uh, they have now uh, responded with unprecedented uh, rulings. Companies are hightailing it out of California like never before. They've just passed Proposition 30 in 2012. That was the last uh, straw, I think, for many businesses. And can I tell you something? Californians, you're thinking about moving. You can't believe how crowded and the traffic here is even worse than California. Don't come to Texas. It's awful here. We're really bad. It's nothing but rednecks and hillbillies. Don't move to Texas. Here's an idea. Fix your own state. You were just hit with $6 billion in new taxes. That kicked off the mass corporate exodus out of the Sunshine State and here to Texas. The companies included Carl's Jr., Toyota, Jacobs Engineering, Occidental Petroleum, uh, Chevron, Kubota Tractors, Nestle's, any more you can think of? Because they're coming in by the day here. Since 2008, some analysts have calculated that up to 10,000 companies have left California. I always wanted to grow up in California. I mean, when I was growing up, I always wanted to live in California. Just wanted to live in San Diego my whole life. Working KFMB, San Diego, 16 years old. That's all I wanted. I, 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 you couldn't get me to California. California? Really? It's no longer what the West used to be. California was the place that people went for opportunity. People would pack up their entire family and they would, they would brave the hostile Indian country to reach California in search of prosperity. Now it's just the opposite. People are packing their bags and heading to the center of the country. Again, don't move to Texas or Utah. You're wrecking both of them. 
And now, net neutrality. It threatens California's biggest asset, Silicon Valley. What are you going to do, California, when big tech and internet companies surrounding the Bay Area pack their bags? They've already spent the past year lobbying heavily against this new state net neutrality law because no matter how hard the left tries to sell net neutrality as a law that protects consumers, what it really does is open the gateway to full government regulation of the Internet. Are you a dreamer? Creating a new Google or Apple inside your garage? Well, in California, you're not going to have that opportunity. In fact, you already don't. Microsoft says Bill Gates couldn't do what he did. Now with the laws that are on the books, you will never have the freedom that Larry, uh, that Larry Page or Sergey Brin enjoyed. The mighty state of California will put its boot on your throat and choke the innovation right out of you. But don't worry. As they have their boot on your throat... They'll talk to you about how fair it is. The call for freedom and prosperity is no longer go west, young man. You can't certainly say go east, because if you go too far, you run into the same damn craziness. It's just on another coast with a bunch of snow. There's just a few bastions of freedom left in the country. We're all huddled and squeezed directly in the middle. Google, Facebook, Amazon... Flyover Nation. Well, I would like to say they're waiting for you, but I don't know if they are really waiting for you. I don't know if you'll be welcome in those communities over uh, either. Of course, you'll just move all of your people into the center of the country, and then you'll destroy the center of the country like you have the coasts. Congratulations, California. You just took one more step at turning the once great state of California into the formerly great city of Detroit. It's Monday, October 1st. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. I, uh, I got something last night. Have you seen the copy? By the way, hello, Stu. Have you seen the uh, copy of um, of uh, Rachel Mitchell's memo? Yeah, I'm reading a little bit about it. Okay, pretty amazing. This is really amazing. Now, she remember Rachel Mitchell is the Maricopa County sex crimes prosecutor. She is the one who interviewed um, Kavanaugh's accuser, uh, Christina Ford. She was the she was the woman that uh, was made fun of on Saturday Night Live this weekend. She. Well, she was a highly respected advocate for sexual abuse victims. She has 25 years experience. She's not political at all. In fact, she was recognized by Barack Obama's head of Homeland Security as the sexual assault prosecutor of the year. Let me say that again. The woman that the Republicans selected to dig in and find out whether or not Dr. Ford's claims were legitimate or not, was Barack Obama's head of Homeland Security sexual assault prosecutor of the year. So she's not a Democratic hack. And also 
not a defense attorney, right? She's a prosecutor. Yes. She tries to prove these things true. She goes in. Her expertise is on old crimes to be able to go in and say, all right, how did this happen? And be able to put it together to make sure that the prosecution can win. All right. Before I continue and tell you what's in her memo, let me just preface it with this. You're not going to see any CNN's not going to be leading with this. New York Times is not going to have this on the front page, but it should. The reason why they won't is because it is devastating for Senate Democrats. Left wing activists, the media, this is absolutely devastating to you. I want you to know if you're easily triggered, you might want to turn off the radio for just a minute. Here's what she wrote. Quote, Here's my bottom line. A he said, she said case is incredibly difficult to prove. But this case is even weaker than that. End quote. So I've been saying he said, she said, that's pretty difficult. She said the same thing. That's not what she's saying. This isn't even a he said, she said case. It's weaker than that. Dr. Ford identified other witnesses to the event, and those witnesses, I'm still quoting, have either refuted her allegations or failed to corroborate them. She then adds, I do not think that a reasonable prosecutor would bring this case based on the evidence before the committee. I don't think a reasonable prosecutor would bring this case not to the court, not for prosecution. <laughs> But before the committee, nor do I believe that this evidence is sufficient to satisfy the preponderance of evidence standard, end quote. It's pretty significant, don't you think? Yes. Again, like she's being portrayed as this Republican hack to go after this uh, this poor oh, woman mean, because she was a girl. You mean Barack Obama's? Right. Yeah, Barack yeah. Obama's uh, uh, Homeland Security Prosecutor, I, Sex Crimes of the Year. They picked someone who should have incredible amounts of credibility, yes. even with the left. Yes. So she's saying that it's it's it w- won't stand up in court. Wouldn't no prosecutor would even bring it, and no prosecutor should even bring this to the committee. This explains, in my opinion, why it was leaked. In the final hour, because everyone who saw this knew exactly what it was. Now, she explains why. She says Ford has significantly changed her story several times in recent months in ways that are shady, have not been explained and defy common sense. Okay, wait a minute. It may look like she's credible, uh, but based on what she said, not how she looked. If you're looking at what she said, her story falls apart. The most glaring issue with Dr. Ford's story is that she has given four different dates for when the attack occurred. And we're not talking about the difference of a few days. According, this is, this is from her memo. According to the Washington Post, the 2013 notes from her therapy session list the attacks of having occurred when she was in her late teens. Fast forward five years, July 6th of this year, in a text message to the Washington Post reporter, Ford said the attack happened in the mid-1980s. 
This would be consistent with her therapist notes since Ford was born in late November 66 and would have been in her late teens from 1984 through 1986. But then something changed. Three weeks later, in a July 30th letter to Senator Dianne Feinstein's office, the date of attack changed to the early 80s. Now, you might say, what difference does it make? Well, if you say you're in your late teens, 16, 17, 18, 19, you're in high school, so you're 17 or 18, late teens. You've been saying mid-80s. Anytime you've ever talked about this, Before it became political, mid-80s, late teens. Why did it change? And how did it change within a span of three weeks? She changes the date by a couple of years? It it gets better. This is, again, I'm quoting, I'm quoting the, um, the report. It gets better one week later when she goes to take a polygraph test with her lawyers. She was asked to write down a statement describing the events in that statement. Ford wrote the alleged attack attack happened in the early 1980s. But then something strange happens. If you look at her written testimony for the lie detector test, she scratches out the early 1980s and leaves it the 1980s. Perhaps because she knew early 1980s was false, and it was fresh in her mind and might set off the polygraph. Then finally, by mid-September, on her first on-the-record interview with the Washington Post, Ford narrowed the date uh, of the attack down to the summer of 1982. So let me recap. Dr. Ford provided four different dates over the span of a couple of weeks for what was supposedly one of the most traumatic and important events of her life. Why is this significant? Well, because if the attack happened when she was in her late teens or in the mid 80s, as she first told the Washington Post and her therapist, Brett Kavanaugh would have been 300 miles away at Yale University as a full time student. So it couldn't have happened in the mid-1980s or in her late teens. There's more in the memo, and we'll get to it. But this is a bombshell that no one will discuss. It not only discredits Ford's allegation against Brett Kavanaugh, it obliterates it. It casts serious doubts over her testimony. Now, maybe the FBI finds some new groundbreaking evidence. But this allegation should be considered debunked. The Democrats know this. The media knows this. And that's why they are shifting gears. Have you noticed now they're talking not about Ford. Now they're talking about was he was he lying about teenage fart jokes? I'm not making that up. Was he lying about fart jokes and drinking games? They tried to make him a rapist. Then they tried to make him a gang rapist. That argument is losing. Now they're going to make him look like a liar. It's pathetic. It's dishonorable. It's un-American. And none of us should fall for this. Senate Democrats, the American people see what this is. Look at the polling numbers. This is a sham. It's It's an attempted coup 
of the United States and the Supreme Court under the guise of the hashtag Me Too movement. You need to speak and stand right now. And if you don't, I think the American people will speak and stand in November. All right, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's American Financing. Many benefits to refinancing your mortgage. You can lower your interest rate. You can shorten your loan um, term. You can access cash. You can consolidate high interest debt. All great options that can help you save an incredible amount of money over the life of your loan. You might even be able to save about $1,000 a month. So why wait for interest rates to increase more? Because they're going to. If you are in an adjustable mortgage, get out of the adjustable mortgage. If we have time today, I've got to tell you some stuff that I found on the economy this weekend that is disturbing. By the way, some good news with the president. NAFTA has been redone, uh, signed yesterday by Canada. So Canada, Mexico, United States have redrafted NAFTA under Donald Trump's tutelage. We don't really know what it means uh, yet, but it has to go to the Senate. We should know more about it in the next few days. But there are some other things that are very concerning in the in the economy. Ten minute phone call to American Financing and their salary based mortgage consultants can help you get into the right loan for you. Never any upfront fees to consider. They have access to every loan in the industry, but they work for you. They don't work for the bank. So I want you to call them now, 800-906-2440. That's 800-906-2440. It's AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Glenn Beck. Uh, we welcome back uh, Mr. Stu from uh, the south of France. <laughs> Bonjour, ça va. Uh, welcome back. Uh, this is amazing to watch kind of from a different perspective. Yeah. First of all, people over there don't care. They're just going about their lives, which yeah. is kind of how I want to be. I want my life to become. Um, but it was interesting watching it in that I've never seen anything like this. No. This is the people who are speaking with certainty about this. It, it's incredible. Yeah. She has provided no evidence whatsoever that this event has occurred the standard instead of being innocent until proven guilty or innocent to the preponderance of evidence shows otherwise is has become innocent until proven accused we now know that she's accused this uh, kavanaugh so therefore he's guilty Mm -hmm. that is not a healthy standard for a society and how any woman um uh, or leftist who has a son could possibly support this standard because this is not just evil Republican judges that have to deal with this for the rest of their lives. Everybody. This is your kid. Your kid. If they go to a party in college, 30, 40 years later, when they're advancing through their career, can be accused of this with absolutely no evidence. And society is deciding, yes, we should just believe her. There's not even there's not even a 5% chance that she's shown. Like it's not. We are at the point now where what we're requiring in this FBI investigation, whatever it is, is can you come up with a five percent hint that you think maybe it occurred? And, well, and if so, and, he and, should not go. He should and not. Even go to one that your parents, your parents and your siblings won't stand behind. Yeah, I her mean, parents, her mom, her dad, and her siblings will not stand by her statement. She could have named anyone. She's named people, and they don't remember the party. They don't remember being there. 
This is beyond a reasonable doubt that this should I thought about this a lot over the weekend, and I think I know what's happening, and it's dangerous, and I'll explain next. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Our uh, Addicted Outrage Tour begins, when is it, August 25th or something? Uh... Yeah, August is a good month. To I mean, start August, uh, October. Delay. Yeah, you I know, know. It's, it's a little delay. Hurry, wait tickets. about ten months and then start a tour. That's what we're gonna do. <laughs> oh, it's already it's already passed. No, okay. yeah. yeah. Well, we can start next August. Okay. No, October. Uh, October twenty fifth, twenty in uh, twenty sixth and twenty seventh from Texas. November first uh, in Virginia. November second in Pennsylvania, as well as the third. Then we got Cleveland on the fourth. Kansas City, uh, Evansville, Tulsa, Tampa, and December. Uh, do you notice, December in Orlando? Do you notice that those groups? Of dates, they all center around the midterm election. We are going to have mm. a lot to discuss on tour, <laughs> and uh, it'll be a great place to hang out and have some fun. Grab your tickets now for the Addicted Outrage Tour. Uh, we're coming to a city near you. You can find them online at glenbeck.com slash tour, glenbeck.com slash tour. Um, all right. We're talking about the Kavanaugh thing, and I... I I want to talk to those people who I think are reasonable, who can look at Ford and see her testimony and say, okay, so why, why, why wouldn't we just do the FBI thing? Okay. In a reasonable world, you're, you're absolutely right. In a reasonable world, you're right. But this is not about Ford. And this is not about making sure that these charges stick. It's why as soon as this happened, as soon as Jeff Flake said, no, no, wait a minute, hang on. We want an FBI uh, investigation. As soon as that happened, the narrative changed. Now they're going after and saying he lied about drinking beer. Okay. He was for the love of Pete people. So well, this is how, just how you, about and how and the, the accusation is that he wasn't blackout I drunk. I know. Well, how would you confirm he was? I know. I know. It's ridiculous. I know. So uh, we'll get into that later because I've as an alcoholic, I got a lot to say on that one. <laughs> um, but uh, they've changed the narrative and they are playing the American people. And here's and here's how it's working. What they've done is they've turned this into something that is more than Kavanaugh. Look, if Kavanaugh is a guy who did this, I don't want him on the Supreme Court. None of us do. Nobody does. That's a bad thing. But you can't just smear somebody. You have to have some evidence. So because of the lack of evidence, what they've done is they've not made this about Kavanaugh. They've instead made this about victims. Evidence? Play the elevator encounter with Jeff Flake. I, I told the story of my sexual assault. I told it because I recognized in Dr. Ford's story that she's telling the truth. What you are doing is allowing someone who actually violated a woman to sit in the Supreme Court. This is not tolerable. You have children in your okay, family. Okay, stop. This woman has obviously a horrible experience in her life. So when she hears an accuser, she immediately believes the accuser. Well, that's not reasonable. She's obviously very, very upset because of what happened to her. And she wants to send a message that that's not right. I agree with that. 
But that's not the standard of justice or the way we get justice. Let me take you to a real-life scenario. I didn't understand America when OJ was let go. I didn't understand it. I, I had no What is happening? How can the African-American community be cheering this guy? Well, it's very easy. Once you're away from it emotionally and you actually look into it, it's easy. What was happening was African-Americans were feeling that there was no justice in America. It's always the black guy that gets blamed. And then he goes to court and the white system puts him behind bars. And so they weren't rooting for him. They wanted anyone to beat the system. They wanted anyone to prove that a black guy couldn't, could go to court and not be guilty. That's what they wanted. They wanted a victory against the system. Totally understandable. You ask the African-American community now, same people. Did O.J. Simpson do it? Yes. We're all in agreement now. Now that the emotions are gone, we're all in agreement that O.J. Simpson was guilty. So the question is, was justice done? The answer is clear. No. It's, it's not justice. That's social justice. That's I want to feel good. That's social justice, not real justice. Social justice is evil when it is when it is played the way the postmodernist and the progressives are playing it now. It does not provide any kind of real justice. That woman who was in the elevator, her plight, I'm sure, was real. I know I could tell her feelings were real. And I feel sorry for her. And I don't know what happened in her case. I don't even know if it happened here in America or where it happened. But I will tell you this. In the case of Ford, we cannot help as a society if you don't ask for help. If you don't ask anyone in your circle of friends for help. We can't help you later, especially 35 years later. We can't help you. Now, I'm, I'm shocked that someone could be as traumatized as Dr. Ford was, and no one in her circle of friends in high school, let's say she was a sophomore in high school. Well, no, she can't be a sophomore. Could she? Could she be a sophomore? She have to be a freshman or a junior? I'm trying to figure out when Kavanaugh is at Yale and they're both still in school. But let's just say it was sophomore year. She, this happened to her. This happens to her. Are you telling me that there is no one in her life, no one, her mother, her sister, her best friend that wasn't told, but now when told doesn't go, oh, my gosh, I remember. Yes, it was that summer. And all of a sudden you didn't want to go to any parties anymore. Would you go to a party if you experienced what she experienced? Would you want to be by yourself at a party? Would you change fundamentally at parties enough for your best friend to at least now be able to go, I remember that you were really weird that summer. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. Nobody remembers anything. She doesn't remember the year that it happened. And as the investigator has pointed out, she's changed this now four or five times we can't help you. 
You have to tell someone. You have to tell the police. We are not the country of the 1940s. We, (laughs) I want to make sure that nobody goes to jail that is innocent. But you know what that requires? Not social justice, not believing the accuser, but looking at the facts. You say you're for prison reform, and at the same time, you will not look at facts. You only want to go with the mob mentality. You only want to go with what is politically correct and deliver social justice. You say you're against uh, putting innocent people behind bars and that our justice system is so corrupt that it has put black men behind bars because of white society. Look at what you're doing right now. And if you were honest about the way you actually feel, think of the, the construct that is built by the left. All police are really bad people that are going to uh, throw innocent black people in jail. Uh, white people are racist against black people. How would, how would let's say, real racist cops and racist women uh, deal with an African-American who they say has assaulted them in the past? Think of the standard you're creating. Black people have been victims of this in the past where they were uh, unfairly accused of crimes. I mean, you can go back to Emmett Till, right? Like, you can go back. There's a lot of these things that have happened over the years. You are asking for that standard to return. How are you going to react when a black man is, is accused unfairly about some assault they didn't commit? Are you going to believe the white woman then? I, I, this standard they are creating is insane, and I feel for the woman in the elevator. You can tell she's oh, very yeah. passionate. I don't know if it's about politics or not. I don't know her story. But know. the one thing I do know about her story is Brett Kavanaugh wasn't responsible for it. He had no role in what happened to her. No. No role, no responsibility. None. Now, the argument on the other side is we're only asking for five more days. We're only asking for five more days. Well, if everyone was quiet for five days, that would be something. Okay, we got five days to look at this. We have a week. We have until next Friday to look at it. But that's not what they're doing. They've now moved the goalposts. Mm -hmm. They're using these seven days to come up with something new to move the goalposts. He lied about, you know, how much he drank. No, he. Oh, my gosh. Right. And And now they're saying. Well, yes, you gave us the FBI investigation, but it's not thorough enough. It's not enough time. The only thing here is their delay tactics. And that how you can tell this, and I think we are going to all be honest enough to understand this. If Brett Kavanaugh, let's just say politics fail him, and Flake and Collins and Murkowski bail, and the, the vote comes down and he gets voted down, there won't be a soul who gives a crap about this woman's story. They will all go, they will not even, she will not get a phone call returned. Because you can still investigate this, by the way. There is no, there is no statute of limitations on felony sexual assault in Maryland. They could still go after this. The second Kavanaugh is not in that seat, they will forget about her and she will be a non-story. Because they don't care about her story. It has nothing to do with that. They're just trying to delay this to try to get it past the election. Now, here's the, here's the, the second point I want to make. Um, Republicans, if this falls through and the very next day you don't have a qualified candidate, 
that you're going to put through, you're out of your mind. May I suggest right now that if Kavanaugh falls through, you don't have the spine, something comes up, whatever. There is one guy that has already gone through all of the confirmation hearings. One guy who has already had every FBI background check. One guy that everybody in the Senate knows, and that's Mike Lee. If Kavanaugh goes down in flames Monday morning or Saturday, the president should announce his next Supreme Court justice pick of Mike Lee, and you should vote on it next week because there's no need to delay. He's already had all those FBI background checks, and each senator knows exactly who he is. He's qualified. He's clean and quick you could get that done long before the election if i hear the the republicans if this falls through oh we are not prepared we weren't prepared for the i'm gonna lose my mind so that i won't bring up this story about what their plan is after oh geez what is their plan after uh they have uh quote no plan oh she's so so that should go out. That is completely unacceptable. We need to go through that today because you're no. right. That's a Mike great Lee. plan. Mike, Mike Lee's Lee. great. Uh, he, they they he, know him. What are they going to say? They know him. Oh, well, we have more time to get to. You know him. Yep. You work with him every single day. He'd be great. He'd be great. All right. My Patriot Supply. From hurricanes to earthquakes, cyber warfare, every American should have a plan to get through an emergency, a natural disaster, just the power being out. This is more urgent than ever. We have seen government response and repair to infrastructure can be a little slow. Now, people want to say that it was racist about uh, uh, Puerto Rico. I will tell you the overwhelming factor on why Puerto Rico was left in the condition it was is because FEMA had no money left. There is no plans in the history of the United States to handle four major disasters in a year. And that the year that that happened, there were four major disasters. FEMA came out at the end of the year and said, you're on your own if another disaster happens in 18 because we don't have the money to do it. They're still getting back on their feet. My Patriot Supply is the place you go to help yourself help your family. Make today the day you prepare. Everyone in your household should have a four-week emergency food kit. There's a special right now going on for this week, $100 savings when you go to preparewithglenn.com. Four-week food kits ship fresh discreetly to your door. Do it now. Order and save $100 per kit on the bestseller this week. It's 800-200-7163, 800-200-7163, or online at preparewithglenn.com. Welcome back to the program. Uh, Stu, we have Larry Sharp on uh, about a uh, half hour from now. Yeah, it should be cool. Uh, interesting. Uh, he's running for governor in New, New York. York. Uh, he's libertarian. Libertarian. Anything's got to be better than Cuomo. I just think we should go through the entire Sex of the City's cast until we can find a governor. You think? There's got to be one there. There's got to be one there. Uh, Kim Cattrall, right? She was one of, wasn't she on that show? And yeah, Sarah I, Jessica I, Parker. I, I'm um, happy to say I I, I, I I think we just keep running through the inter- what about the guy what, what about the guy wasn't the guy from office space 
Again, uh, in I, that show, I think we could put him as governor. It's revealing to me that um, you know the cast. I'm of, just uh, an expert on all things, all uh, things pop culture. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if we could uh, just get them, I, that's. I, it's just like I would like to see somebody with some sense as governor of New York. Imagine unleashing New York's economy with a libertarian approach. Oh Imagine gosh. what would happen. I mean, I just can't think of it as an even a realistic. This guy's a. But. This guy's a former Marine Corps uh, vet and. Um, uh, businessman, libertarian. Imagine going the opposite direction that California, the California and New York have been going. Mm. Illinois. Imagine getting some libertarians in there and says, "Okay, you know what? Was, what Detroit was doing about seventy years ago? You know, built them in the greatest city. We're going to do that. We're going to stop doing all the things that made Detroit Detroit today." Imagine doing that with the state of New York. No, give Cuomo a few more years. He'll figure yeah. it out. <laughs> you know what? That family, just time. let them rule until the end of time. That's that's the better way to go. Glenn Beck is coming live to talk about the right path forward and to make fun of the people standing in the way. He might not be able to save the country, but at least we can all go down laughing. Glenn Beck Live, the Addicted to Outrage Tour. On tour this fall. Glenn So the FBI and the White House have both said that the FBI investigation into accusations against Brett Kavanaugh will only concern the first two accusers and not the third. Oh, my gosh. Not the third. Yeah. The third one. What's her name? Julie Schwetnick. She uh, she's one who accused Kavanaugh of, you know, he's it's like Mad Max in the Thunderdome and he's just raping everybody. There's these gangs that roam around. No, that no, that 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 was actually Mad Max. That that wasn't Brett Kavanaugh. They're now saying she's not going to be part of the investigation. Now, her attorney, guess who her attorney is? Stu, you've been out of the country. You've kind of missed the Swetnick thing. Yeah. Guess, who, guess who this woman is who accused Kavanaugh of being at 10 parties that she attended, 10, mm-hmm. yep. where, they were, where they were gang-raping women. <laughs> Wait, she kept going to the parties? I don't, don't ask me. Okay. She was so oppressed, I guess. She was like, I don't know. Maybe the eighth one will be different. Yeah. Well, you never know until I, you go to 10. I, I think that's what we always I say. You, can, you need at least 10 gang rape parties yes. to prove that it's a negative concept. So I don't know if you know this, because mm-hmm. I know you've been paying attention somewhat, but you have been mm-hmm. on the continent, mm. uh, and so you've been away from the country for a while. Yes. If you don't know, can you guess who she got as her attorney? It's got to be somebody super credible. Yeah, uh, yeah, now, Johnny Cochran's not alive, right? No. Okay, so no, I don't know who. Uh, Stormy Daniels, oh, attorney. Avenatti. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's great. Avenatti is essentially the Democratic Party at this point. I think so. Everyone involved well, in the story Lewis... has just turned into Avenatti, so why not have him involved? That and Louis Farrakhan. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he says, I'm still waiting for the FBI to contact me or my client. Yeah, yeah, I don't think they're going to call. Since uh, this has come out, we have discovered that Ms. Swetnick uh, might be far more dubious than we might have imagined before. Uh, files have emerged from a lawsuit against her 18 years ago. Quote, shortly after becoming employed with Web Trends, a co-worker reported to Web Trends Human Resources Department that Swetnick had engaged in unwelcome sexually offensive conduct. So she was the harasser. Rather than accept responsibility for her actions, she made false and retaliatory allegations that other co-workers had engaged in inappropriate conduct toward her, end quote. Ten years ago, she filed a sexual harassment complaint, so that's two now, against uh, New York Life. 
for the task. She used the same law firm that uh, Christine Blasey Ford is using. Isn't it a Hmm. nice little web here? The question is, when will people see through all of these games, all of these politics? When are we going to see past the parties? When are we going to see past even the people and start looking at the principles? From the first moment of the Kavanaugh confirmation hearing, the Democrats have been nothing uh, but obstruction, obstructionist. Yeah, well, what about Garland? What about him? Nobody smeared him. Nobody said anything about, about him. I'm with you. They should have voted him, should have given him an up or down vote. But this is your response? Which would have been a down, by the way. Yes. It would have been a down vote and nothing would have changed. Correct. Enough is enough. America, it's time. Enough is enough. It's Monday, October 1st. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. It is Monday. And we're so glad that you're here. Giancarlo Sopo is uh, on the phone with us. Uh, Giancarlo is uh, a Democrat. You still consider yourself a Democrat, Giancarlo? Yeah, I, I mean, I have remained the same. I haven't changed. I actually take these these political quizzes every now and then, and my ideology has stayed the same. What, what's happening, though, is that the, the party itself has gone absolutely insane. Uh, this is not this is not what I signed up for. Right. Um, I've been watching you on Twitter and you've been um, you've been one of the only Democrats that have come out and said, this is nuts. Give, give me your view in the lay of the land from a Democratic point of view, from your point of view. Sure. I think it's perfectly legitimate to uh, oppose Brett Kavanaugh's nomination on the basis of differences in judicial philosophy. Uh, you know, if you believe certain things and he doesn't align with those beliefs, it's fine. That's what the democratic process is for. Um, now, that being said, you, you leave it at that, right? You don't go ahead and try to chop off someone's head and promote these outrageous accusations against him, uh, specifically the, the one by this, this woman, Julie Swetnick, who just don't even pass the smell test. I mean, we're, they are so absurd. I, I actually attended an all-boys Catholic school, too, so I could kind of speak to the culture and how, how those uh, communities operate. I mean, the thought that a, a group of 15-year-olds would be running a gang rape cartel all throughout high school and that nobody would know anything about it up until now is just is ludicrous. And then that a, an adult, this woman who must have been like 20 years old at the time that this happened, the chief was frequenting parties with high school sophomores for two years. <laughs> I know. I, I know his high school sophomore myself. Oh, man. All Me and my buddies, we were the college chicks were all over us. You know, <laughs> yeah. women, women usually look for a younger man, you know, especially those in high school. That never happens. That never happens. Especially Brett Kavanaugh, who let's just be clear. The guy sounds like he was a complete dork when he was <laughs> when he was in high school. This is somebody who kept. Who, you, you can see on his calendar, he literally has notes of when his parents would ground him. I mean, this guy was a complete dork in high school. And he's like the kind of guy who, if he comes home with your daughter or your sister, you'd say, oh, she really did well for herself. This is great. I'm really happy. So the thought that this guy was running a gang rape cartel in the suburbs of Maryland is just asinine on its face. But the thing is that we have entered, I think, 
that we've abandoned uh, traditional forms of religion, and now we're in the church of the social justice, right? Where we just believe things based on a matter of faith, based on historical oh. patterns of injustices and notions, and that's what's happening here. They, they want to believe that this guy did all these horrible things uh, because, you know, uh, women have had it rough for many years, and there, there, there has been a lot of sexism, and there, it still exists. Therefore, he's guilty, right? It's, a, it's very similar to the rationale that we saw in the O.J. Simpson trial, but almost in reverse. This is like reliving the O.J. case again, where O.J. apparently, all the evidence pointed that he was guilty, but, he, but like half the country thought he wasn't guilty because the LAPD is allegedly racist. So, you know, Giancarlo, I just did a monologue on this about a half hour ago that that African-Americans rightfully felt that the justice system had gone against the black man for so long. Here is a black man fighting for his life and they they wanted him to beat the system. I don't think at the time they actually believed he was uh, was innocent more than they wanted a black man to beat the system. You go back and you look at the polls then to the polls now in the African-American community. They all know that he killed um, Nicole. They all know it. So what they were doing was saying they were rebelling against a system that was geared against them, and they wanted that social justice. That's exactly what's happening here. Exactly, yeah. And and let me tell you, I think... um Dr. Ford, who testified she's a serious person, she's as, as qualified as a witness as, as, as someone could possibly want on, on the witness stand, right? But when you actually start dissecting her, her testimony, uh, I think, as, as you pointed out earlier, it has tremendous flaws, uh, just a, a, it's a series of inconsistencies that would make it physically impossible for Brett Kavanaugh to have done this, or at least, at, at the very least, it severely limits the, the window of opportunity, right? So, the fact that the entire apparatus of the of the Democratic Party, which I understand how it works, I, I, I used to work in communications, uh, in political communications, so I understand how talking points are circulated and how people uh, get on TV shows. Uh, the fact that everything has been mobilized uh, to support, look, the evidence just isn't there, right? You don't crucify someone with zero evidence, and then what they're doing now is that they're moving the goalposts, right? I, I saw Lawrence uh, tribe this morning. I was like tweeting. Who's, this guy's a respected Harvard uh, scholar, right. uh, uh, law professor, who talking about. Uh, well, you know, he must have drank when he was in in college or whatever. I mean, who, who cares? But it's completely irrelevant now. I mean, I I felt like tweeting at him. Hey, Lawrence, those goalposts seem kind of heavy. Let me know if you need help moving them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, Giancarlo, we're talking to Giancarlo Sopo. He is a Democrat uh, who. Uh, has not lost his footing uh, with with reason. Um, so address people, address people who are, let's say, a 20 something female that says, you know, but if there's a chance that this guy did this, um, you know, I don't I don't want that guy on the Supreme Court. Yes, and there's also a uh, a chance that he was D.B. Cooper, right? I mean, there, you have to go by the evidence in the case. You have to evaluate uh, cases based on the, you know, the unique dynamics of that particular situation. There are other people Not- that are just as qualified. Why don't we just go, I mean, this guy, why don't we just go to somebody else? Well, because, because 
what he's he's essentially being accused right now. He's essentially on on a summary public execution trial of a um, the worst crime in the United States of America in in our legal system, short of murder. So the question now is, did he commit this right? And there's no evidence to, to, to reach that conclusion. In fact, all of the evidence that has been presented is exculpatory, right? The, the guy's calendar clears him, right? The testimony of his friends clear him. The absence of evidence also clears him. So you, you have to cast that aside. And then if you want to oppose his nomination based on his judicial record, that's absolutely fine. That's a debate I'm willing to have with people. But what we cannot do is become a banana republic where we just start convicting people, you know, air quotes, on on mere accusations. That's not the but way that this is in work. a court of law. This is this is not a court of law. You don't have to have that kind of evidence. Right. But th- you're, you're, you, you are absolutely right. This would not meet any kind of legal standard, but it doesn't even meet a standard of common sense, because what you have here is a series of, of accusations that have been made with zero corroborative evidence zero independent evidence to back this up. And then when you actually analyze the what little evidence does exist, which is in the form of testimony of, of the alleged victim, her testimony, she contradicts herself in ways that are significant. She changed the timeline of when this happened four times. So I think it, people need to cast this aside unless the FBI finds something new. Well, but that guy, that guy, that, that guy, you know, the friend, uh, Judge, Mark, Mark Judge, he sure seems like a bad guy. Why won't he testify? Well, he is going to testify to the FBI, but what we cannot do is play guilty by association, right? Mark Judge, I, I've never met the man. Nobody, nobody, 99% of this country has never met this man, right? So we're just going off of hearsay right now and based off his own memoirs of somebody who was a very troubled person who had uh, serious drinking issues. It's not Brett Kavanaugh. We're, we're not nominating Mark Judge for the Supreme Court. It's Brett Kavanaugh is the one who's who's being nominated. And if people want to take issue with his judicial philosophy, that's fine. But what we can't do is destroy someone's life, destroy his family. The guy's like two young daughters. He coaches basketball for crying out loud, right? We we, we cannot destroy somebody's life based on mere allegations just because we disagree with them politically or ideologically. That's insane. That's what they do in, in, in banana republics and in third world countries. It's not who we are in the United States of America. John Carlos Sopo, a Democrat. When, when we come back, I, I, I want to ask you, if you don't mind holding on for a second, John Carlos, do you have time? I actually have to run to a meeting. But oh, okay. All right. We'll run to a meeting. We'll talk, we'll talk some other time. Thank you so much. I really want to really hear from people uh, that can respond to what I'm hearing from the Democrats now, which is um, we just have to stop all of these people, the people, all the people on the all the people on the right. You know, we need to break up their dinners. You know, as I said earlier, one one prominent Democrat said we should. Um, w- w- what stops us from disturbing people where they sleep? Well, that would be their home. Because these people are destroying our republic. I have one question for people who think that the other side, either side, is the enemy. One question that must be answered. We'll do that when we come back. First, let me tell you about Mercury Real Estate. Mercury Real Estate is actually a, a, a born out of frustration. Uh, myself uh, and my wife, we were trying to sell our house years ago. And man... 
we went through real estate agent and real estate agent, and they were all doing the same thing. They were like, oh, no, we're going to have an open house. Oh, really? Really? So my wife can spend all day cleaning the house so you can have a bunch of real estate agents over or people who just, you know, are sightseeing for the day. No, no, that's not a plan. What is your marketing strategy? You ask that of the person that you are going to uh, 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 list your home with. If they don't have an immediate answer and it's not impressive, move on. We have looked now for the best real estate agents all across the country. We have about 1,500 of them now. Their word is their bond. They're fans of the show. They share your sensibilities. We vet all of these personally and handpick them for their knowledge, their skill, their track record, and their integrity. Thousands of families have already put realestateagentsitrust.com to the test. Then the results have been remarkable. We are a person that just all we do is you say, I'm in this area. I want to sell my house or I want to buy a house in this area. We will line you up with the real estate agent in your area that can either buy your new home for the least amount of money or sell your home for the most amount of money. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Do it now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Welcome to the program. Okay, here's the one question that I want to ask every single person in this audience. I want you to ask your friends this. Let's imagine for a second that every single person that you want elected from, from dog catcher to president of the United States that every person you want elected is elected and they are putting in all of the policies that you want. It's, it's your utopia. There remains about 50% of the country. And I'm going to be really generous. I'm going to make it a lot easier. There's 30 or 40% of the country that disagrees with your utopia. They just want to go in a different direction. What do you do with the 40% of the population that does not agree with you? What do you do with them? What do you do to make sure that those people don't start infecting the minds of others? So your perfect utopia starts to fall apart. What happens with the ones who won't comply with these new rules? What do you do to make sure that that utopia it, it remains in place by keeping all of those people in power? Because there's going to be another election. And if, if history tells us anything, it swings the other direction. What Once you have the power, what are you willing to do to keep the power? If your answer to all of those questions isn't nothing. You have gone over the cliff. Because in America, the answer to what are you going to do to all of those people who disagree, the answer in America is nothing. What are you willing to do to keep your power? Uh, the answer in America is nothing. What are you doing to, to silence those who will not comply? The answer in America is nothing. So anytime somebody says, we should shout these people down, they've taken the first step. All thought is creative. When you begin to speak things, 
they you speak them into existence. When you say we should round people up, the more people that say we should round people up, we should disturb them in their own homes. We should we should pick it and surround their houses. The more that you say that, the more reality is created in that direction. Be very careful on what you say and what you think. The answer to these questions in America must remain nothing. I will not do anything to my neighbor who disagrees to me with me. I will not do anything and everything to hold on to power. I will state my case and I will duke it out on the battlefield of ideas. I will not silence other people. I will not smear or destroy other people. I will not become everything I despise. I will not become a fascist to stop fascism. Back in a minute with the libertarian candidate for governor of New York, Larry Sharp, when we come back. You know, I'm, I'm so sick and tired of people saying uh well we don't have any choice you know and nobody's gonna vote for the republican in new york so we don't really have a choice you you do have a choice why why is nothing in life binary except elections now sex your gender isn't even binary that's scientific no no it's not no it's not i'm a three-winged uh i'm a three-winged dragon today Oh, okay, I accept that. But you're not going to throw your vote away on a libertarian, are you? That's crazy. In New York, there's a guy that I've been watching for a while. His name is uh, Larry Sharp. And he's running for governor of the state of New York. And I think he is worth a serious look if you're a voter in New York. I have 15 minutes or maybe less now, 12 minutes now scheduled with him. But I'm hoping that he has more time because I think you're going to be fascinated by his story. And I want to start at the beginning with him. Let's go to uh, Larry Sharp now. Hello, Larry. How are you? Hey, Glenn. How are you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Uh, so I, I wanted to talk to you um, really from the beginning, if you have time, uh, yeah. to tell me the story of your life. Um, because you were, you've had kind of a rough childhood. Your, your dad was black. Your, uh, your mom was white. They weren't married. It was in the sixties. That's not a popular thing. Mom's mom's family. She was afraid wouldn't accept you. Is that how it started? That's true. Okay. Tell me the story from there. Sure. Um, I was born in Manhattan. Um, as, you, as you said, biracial parents, and my, my biological mom didn't think the family would accept me, so she put me up for adoption. So uh, my biological father was not in my life, so I don't know um, what he was thinking, but that he wasn't in my life. So I was very lucky, and I was adopted by a biracial couple. Um, my mother was, uh, my adopted mom, who was my mother, um, was German, and met my father, who was black in the army in Germany. They brought me to the South Bronx. And that's where I was raised, by Yankee Stadium. 
And you might know in the uh, 70s and, and 60s when I was raised, this was not the best neighborhood. Yeah. Um, so that's where I was raised. Uh, my father was a corrections officer at Rikers Island, the jail here in New York City. And my mother was a waitress and then worked in a bank. She then uh, left, and we, all, we left together. We, we raised, got enough money to we actually uh, packed up and moved out to Long Island when I was around 11 years old. Um, my father finally made enough money. My mother, we worked hard to get that out. We got out of the, the bad neighborhood and got to Long Island. And when my, we got to Long Island, my father died. He died of cancer. Mm. And when he passed away, it was very hard for my mom because... How, how old were you? I was uh, 12. Okay. So when my father died, um, my mother's family was in Europe and had basically abandoned her for leaving. And my father's family um, abandoned us also. So we were basically wow. abandoned. Um, at that point, it was very hard for myself and my mom, of course, as you could assume. So by the time I was 17, I was ready to get out of here. And I decided to get out. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go off and I'm going to join the Army. That's what I thought. I'm going to go join the Army like my father. I'm going to be like my dad and go join the Army. So I go off to the recruiting station. Um, and in this case, there are all four recruiters in the same building. And I go to the Army recruiter, and he tells me, son, it's going to be great. We're going to make you a general in, in a month, and you're going to be you know, <laughs> traveling the world and meeting beautiful women. And I'm 17 thinking, my God, this is going to be great. And I walk out with all the, the Go Army stuff in my arms and the book covers. I'm still in high school at the time. And he says, and as I'm walking out, the Marine Corps recruiter is there. He has arms folded, and he says, hey, son, can I talk to you? I said, sure. Go inside. He goes, that Army guy, he promised you a lot, didn't he? I said, yeah, I'm going to be a general in like a month, running <laughs> the world, it's going to be amazing, meeting beautiful women, I'm going to get a doctorate degree in three days, it's going to be awesome. And he says, yeah, we call that the solar plan, everything under the sun. He goes, you know what I'm going to promise you? I said, what? He said, four hard years. Are you ready? I said, yes, and I signed up. Wow. And I look back at that, and then I didn't know what I was doing, obviously. I was just reacting. But when I look back at that, I know I was desperately seeking seeking positive male role models I didn't have. And the Marine Corps gave me many of them, and that was a, a great thing. Now, the Marine Corps, the military is not for everybody, and not everyone should join. But for me, it really helped me tremendously. And I said all the time, without the Marine Corps, I would have been a punk because I was lost at 17, completely lost. And the Marine Corps helped me tremendously. You... And when I got out of the Marine Corps about seven years later, um, my mom had really gone into a very bad place. Um, she couldn't handle me leaving. She couldn't handle my father's death. And she was addicted first to legal drugs and eventually illegal drugs. Mm -hmm. And she was a victim of the drug war, and she was a convicted felon. So I pulled her out of prison, and I used my whatever savings I had to try to get her back up and, and running, uh, renting her an apartment and a house, I, I mean, a, um, a car, that kind of thing. And she struggled. If, you, if you've had a felon in your life, then you know how hard it can be, right? They have that on their record, and then they feel less than, and then when they get a job, they're a hostage to that job because they're afraid they doing the job for them, and it's just bad, bad, bad. So I said, you know what? I'm going to do something. I've been taking action my whole life and take action now, too. And we decided to start our own business. I figured if we're in charge and we're the bosses, you can't fire her. That's it. So we started on business. We became truckers. So we became we had a small trucking company. Well, what did you I know started. about? But what did you know about business? Nothing. It didn't matter. <laughs> God bless America. Oh, it didn't matter. <laughs> what, what, what? Right. I have a choice. I allow my mother to be hostage, or I do something. I, what's my option? Go to business school? What, is that what I was going to do? I love no. You. Right. Yes. I have two op I have two options. I don't. I never. I never have, and never will ever measure any plan I have against perfection. Because perfection doesn't work. I measure my plan against status quo because status quo is what I have. Status quo is my mother as a hostage. I don't accept status quo. So we start a business. 
it did well. Um, my, my, um, it did well. I actually left it and let, let her and my stepdad run it, and she ran it until she retired. And when she retired, she did what too many New Yorkers do, and that is leave New York State, and she went to South Carolina to retire. Um, so she did that, and she, and she was fine until she passed away several years ago. But after that, that's when I went off to do my own thing. I had many different jobs, and then decided, you know what? The first business was successful. Let me try another one. So I started my second business. And that's when I actually, uh, that one actually did not do well. And actually, when I, actually, believe it or not, that's when I first heard you back when you won your Philly station um, in, morning, in the morning show. Get out of here. Yes, that's when I first heard you doing your, uh, your jokes um, about <laughs> Afghanistan. I remember that. I remember because I, I, I was driving around and, and I would actually listen to you. I think were you at 10 a.m.? Is that uh, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. Yes, you, when you do your morning show. I remember mm-hmm. listening to you back then. And um, then I did that and I sold that business off. It did not do as well as I wanted it to, be, to do, but I always call that my MBA. That failure was my MBA. Yeah. Um, from that, I then had one more job. And then sort of this job now, that this, this business now that I have, which I'm a trainer, consultant, teacher. So I have large clients like uh, Models and Estee Lauder and smaller clients like small law firms. I teach um, leadership. I'm an executive coach. I teach business. I've been an executive in a public company twice as a uh, Band-Aid. And I've taught in many colleges at Baruch, John Jay, and I've taught as a guest instructor at the graduate level of uh, Yale and Columbia. And now okay, but what have you I... done with your life? Seriously, <laughs> yeah, what have you yeah, done with <laughs> I'm a loser. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. Sorry. Holy cow. <laughs> yes. So, so you are a guy that, to me, seems tailor-made for the times that we live in. I mean, I think Barack Obama was also, in, in some ways, tailor-made for the times that we live in. And I don't think he lived up to his potential. Um, the, the more division happened. Um, we we need somebody that can speak to all sides with uh, with credibility, somebody who can speak to prison reform with credibility and not an axe to grind, but common sense and experience. Yes. I mean, this is a thing that I talk about all the time. You know, I've dealt with and seen the prison system from both, you know, both sides. My father as a corrections officer, my mother as, as a felon. And I say the same thing as I say in business. And that is when you want to fix something, you don't walk in and start dictating. When you do that, you get rebellion. When you do that, people say no. The issue that we have, particularly in New York State, but throughout the country, is we have two-sided, two-sided thinking, right? As you said before, binary. Either every corrections officer is a thug and every single prisoner is a victim, or every prisoner is evil and should be killed and every corrections officer is perfect. And neither is true. The reality of it is, to fix this, this situation in prison, we have to have the corrections officers as part of the solution, and that's hard for people to understand because they think they're part of the system. Yes, but they see people every day. What I know for sure, in prison right now, we have people in jail who should probably never get out ever, who are bad people, should never get out. And there are people who made a mistake, should pay the debt to society, and should then get a second chance. And people probably shouldn't be in jail at all. The issue is, I don't know which one is which, and I never will. But you know who does? Corrections officers who deal with them every day. Those are the people who deal with the inmates every day. How do I know that to be true? You look at Massachusetts right now. They have the Humvee program, which is a program that has COs, corrections officers, and volunteers from outside together with a specific community. In this case, the community is veterans. But you can pick any community, the community that the COs know and that they see in prison every day. You make that happen, and all of a sudden what happens? You now have people who've had that problem come in as volunteers, nurse tax money. 
You also have corrections officers who know how to control people, know which people uh, who can get in there, know those who will be scamming and will now see those who are scamming and will put the people who need to have the right, the right to the second chance out there in this program. How do we know that? The recidivism rate in Massachusetts in general is about 75%. With this program, less than 5%. Holy no, cow. Yes. No, no specialized people coming in. Corrections officers can do it. Here's the problem in New York State specifically for corrections officers. The, 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 the life expectancy is 58 years. That's it, 58 years old. Not just that. Every corrections officer I've met either knows someone who's committed suicide and or uh, knows someone who is so ready to leave, they have become completely apathetic to the system. This is a problem. All of them tell me the same thing. Larry, you know, I'm, I'm already their, their therapist. I'm already their, their marriage counselor. I'm already their legal assistant. I already helped them out with all kinds of things. I'm already trying to help them. There are so many COs who would happily shift into this world without having to change any, add any money, giving them an actual contract. They haven't had a contract in three years in New York State. That's how bad it is. So we could actually fix things. This is repairable if we actually use both sides and go in and ask the people who are there how to fix it. That's how you fix it in the business. That's how you fix it in life. Larry, do you have time? Could I hold you for a while? Could, could, Absolutely, sure. Okay. Uh, I want to take a break because I, I want to talk to you about the economy. I want to talk to you about business. Sure. Uh, and, you know, the direction of California where they've, they've just uh, mandated that you know, women now have to be on the uh, board of directors. Uh, we're going in a completely bizarre uh, uh, direction, and I would love to hear how you think you could make New York uh, a, a more of a sane place. Larry Sharp, he's running for governor uh, as the Libertarian, uh, and I'm I'm telling you, if you are looking for a candidate in uh, New York. You can play the same game, or you can try something different. I want you to listen to Larry Sharp if you're in New York. All right, we'll be back with him in just a second. First, let me tell you about Car Shield. Car Shield. Car Shield is uh, a shield, really, not around your car as much as your wallet. That's what I think it shields. It, when you bring your car in for a repair, and your car has, I don't know, 5,000 to 150,000 miles, and your your warranty has expired. You're up for everything now, and you have to replace a sensor, and it could be fifteen hundred bucks. Let alone replace, you know, replacing your engine or something, you know, something massive, five six thousand dollars. I had some things that went wrong with one of my old trucks up at the uh, up at the ranch, and brought it in. Didn't know that this was going to happen. Just was bringing it in for oil. They found something wrong. It was about six grand, sixty five hundred. The reason why I don't remember exactly how much. Is because I didn't pay for it. CarShield did. That's what it means to have your wallet and your car covered with CarShield. CarShield. It's the ultimate in extended vehicle protection. Before something goes wrong, call them right now. 800-CAR-6100. 800-CAR-6100. Mention the promo code BECK or visit carshield.com and use the promo code BECK and you're going to save 10%. That's carshield.com. Promo code BECK. Deductible may apply. We're talking to Larry Sharp, a native New Yorker, 15 years of experience, training, mentoring, uh, international uh, executives, entrepreneurs, salespeople. He was in the Marine Corps. He uh, has taught at Yale, Columbia, John Jay College, 
Um, he is also um, uh, a guest instructor for English and management as well as business. He's running for the uh, gubernatorial position in New York City. Larry, I think I have about uh, a minute here, um, and I want to I want to hold you over to the top over past the top of the hour, if you don't mind, because I want to talk to you about the economy sure. and business. Can we do that? Do you have Absolutely. time? Okay, yep. thank you for changing your schedule for us. Um, sure. The um, uh, just in forty five seconds or a minute, what's your take on the Kavanaugh thing? What does it actually mean? Um, I don't know what that question means. What does it? What mean? does it mean? Um, what I mean is there a bigger principle uh, at stake here? What do, I mean? What should we do? How about that? What should the average person do with the Kavanaugh information? I, I think the. Look, I'm not happy with the way it went at all, but I am okay, I'm okay with an investigation. I don't think it's a bad thing. We shouldn't assume someone's bad because one person says anything. We do have to have innocent until proven guilty. That's important, and unless proven guilty, that does matter. I do work with, with criminal um, defense attorneys all the time, and that's a critical issue. We have a situation to where because someone's accusation is harsh, that means the person is guilty. We don't want that. We want people to decide, are they guilty or not? Yep. Otherwise, I can simply use accusation as a weapon. Right. I don't like you, Glenn. You killed somebody. Right. And now, well, killing someone is a serious accusation. Therefore, Glenn should lose you know, his ability to be in the media because the accusation is so harsh. No. Is it proved or not? And right. that's the issue. That's, that's what I see from this. That's the, that's the, the, the basic answer I would expect from somebody who is you know, for prison reform. That's the problem with our, that's why we need prison reform. One of the reasons is because, you know, it, it, it has been unjust at times and we need to make sure it's the facts and justice is blind. Uh, Larry Sharp uh, running for the governor uh, of New York. We're going to continue our conversation, talk about the economy, uh, trade, maybe if he has any insight at all on this new NAFTA deal, which we have very few details on. Uh, and how he can benefit the state of New York when we come back. Glenn Beck is coming live to talk about the right path forward and to make fun of the people standing in the way. He might not be able to save the country, but at least we can all go down laughing. Glenn Beck Live, the Addicted to Outrage Tour, on tour this fall. Glenn Beck. It's Monday, October 1st. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. So here we are about a month from the election and things are changing. Dynamic change is just over the horizon for our entire country. And New York is trying to select, are we going to stay the course with uh, Governor Cuomo or are we going to change course? Now, the Democrats are basically they have they they are Democratic Socialists now. The Republicans I think are just the status quo is state by state. You'd have to look at each. But in New York, there is another choice. A guy who it seems wildly qualified for the job. His name is Larry Sharp. He's a teacher and guest instructor who has taught English management business at Yale, Columbia, John Jay College. Uh, he's a Marine Corps veteran. He his professional life. His mother was having some issues and he's like, I got to find help her find a job. I'm going to start a trucking company. He did. It was a big success. And then he's a serial entrepreneur from there. Larry Sharp, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. 
So, Larry, let's talk about um, what it means to be a libertarian in New York. Uh, yeah, it's, it's actually a great thing, believe it or not. I mean, to be full with you, it's the only it's the only party that actually crosses the line. Right yes. now we have a situation to where Republicans don't want to vote for Democrats, Democrats don't want to vote for Republicans, and we have 70% of New Yorkers who actually don't vote. This is actually learned helplessness. It's an issue where people are saying it doesn't matter. In fact, most New Yorkers, if you ask them, they're thinking about leaving the state. We have over 100,000 leaving every single year. Over a million have left in the past eight years. You know, I will judge my term a, by a very simple number, and that is, are there still 100,000 New Yorkers leaving every year? If so, I failed. If not, I'm winning. I'm a business guy, and customers matter. And as a governor, my customer is my population. Am I drawing people into my state, or am I pushing them away? And right now, we're pushing them away. That's what's happening right now. The Democrats have basically run our state on a statewide level for about 16 years, give or take. So if they were going to fix this state, they would have already fixed it. The Republicans, they've been watching this for 16 years. So my question to any Republican is, where's their plan? Uh, where's their movement? Doesn't exist. I'm the, I've been doing this for one year, and in one year, I have both a plan and a movement. They have nothing. They have, the other guy is evil. I have actual ideas. I am the only non-establishment candidate in this race, which is why we can win. And you've seen it. Non-establishment is the answer. Left yeah. or right, it's the answer. And I'm one who can actually, you know, I can give the right what they want and the left what, what they want as long as you don't enforce your will on others. Amen. And that's a libertarian. Amen. I, I will tell you, um, Larry, I, I think that the, the libertarianism um, it is really dicey because sometimes there's libertarians who you're not libertarian enough. Well, wait, isn't time. that isn't that the point? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're all supposed the time. To, yeah, all the time. Um, and and there are those libertarians um, that I think the last candidate for president was still kind of big state on many issues. The great thing about libertarianism is it allows the individual to be as socially liberal as you want. But it also requires you to be fiscally responsible because it's turning things back to where they belong in the hands of the people. So tell yeah, me, and look, go ahead. In New York State specifically, we don't want one city running the entire state. And this is common in many areas, right? New York's New York State is so varied. We have mountains as, as good as Colorado. We have farmland as good as the Midwest. We have lakes. We have rivers. We have, the, we have Niagara Falls. We have New York City, the biggest city in the entire nation. We have it all in my state. How in the world can that be run by one city? It's impossible. I want to allow counties to be counties and regions to be regions and people to be people. And it's totally fine. The issue becomes... Why do I want to enforce my will upon you? I want you to be as conservative or as liberal as you want to be. People tease me and say, Larry, you're from Queens. How do you know, you know what's right for upstate? I don't. That's the point. And guess what? You don't know what's right for me in Queens either. We're even. How I about I that. let you be you, you let me be uh, me, and we can all be free together. What a concept. What? It can work. It has worked. Yes. That's our original idea. We just haven't yes. done it in a long time. So, so Larry, tell me, your day one, you're governor of New York. What do you do? There are several things I have to work on. And to be clear about this, when I win this thing, I can win this thing with about 30% or so of the vote. Because it's a five-way race in New York State. And we are a plurality state, not a majority state. So we don't require 51%. There's Holy a runoff. Holy cow. Whoever has the most. That's how New York State works. 
So I could actually win this thing with 30%. So it's, it's actually a winnable race. So assuming that I win this thing, I'm going to have 30%. 30% of the vote for a third party is a mandate that will shock everything. To be forward with you, Glenn, this is the most important single election in the entire nation. Not as a whole. There may be other things that work more importantly as a whole. But as one single election, if I come in first, it changes the entire nation overnight. It does. Not just for the Libertarian Party, but for any third party. Yeah, no, it this is the duopoly. Yeah, this is this. I think if people thought Donald Trump was get ground uh, breaking, a Libertarian winning in New York uh, would 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 be an earthquake. I mean, it would just yes. change the political system overnight. Absolutely. It is that important. Even coming in second would shock people. But first, would literally change the nation. It would give every third party a better chance. It would make better Democrats and better Republicans. Because right now, Republicans just have to talk about our protection from the Democrat. They don't have to worry about small business. They don't have to worry about smaller government. They don't have to worry about lower taxes. It's not important. It's just, I'll protect you from the evil left. And they'll let the same thing in return. They don't have to care about civil liberties. They're supposed to be, but they don't. They're supposed to they just go, I'm going to protect you from the evil right. But when there's a third party there, when libertarians can point the finger and say, Democrats, what happened, what happened to civil liberties? Republicans, what happened to smaller government? Now they have to change. They have to be better. It will change how everything works. So day one is I have to recover from the shock. <laughs> there will be a massive, a massive culture shock within, within the, uh, the state and within the nation. But something else, I don't have a career to protect. I don't have people to pay back. I don't have that. So I can actually just do what I want, which is amazing. I'm assuming that I will be in court my entire four years. That's my assumption, and I'm fine with that. But I have to focus on several things. One, a complete reboot of education. Two, a complete reboot of how we mandate every local county to pay for things that the people don't want to pay for, a thing called unfunded mandates. That's how the Albany, which is our capital in New York State, and Washington, D.C., control every local county and take the power away from local governments. Uh, Next, I have to create a culture of transparency. Because the problem with local governments now is they're enforcing the king's will. So they are not transparent. They are constantly being bullied. And I don't want the state government to be, I'm the king and I enforce my will. I want the state government to be, I will protect your rights of the individual against the local bully. Sounds like you've read the Constitution. Uh, what is that? I don't know. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, I'm not sure don't worry. It's an old, dusty, outdated document. There we go. Yes. New York State, I think we threw it away a while ago. Yeah. Uh, but yes, that's my point. I want to make sure that, look, if we focus on the individual more, we will have better individual families, mm-hmm. better individual businesses, better individual people who are trying to you know, do their jobs, growth locally. You know, I want the local communities to provide more value to each community. We don't do that well in New York State at all. We have things called regional economic development corporations, which Albany, which is our capital again, decides where the money is spent. And Albany decides where taxpayer money is spent within an individual county. How about instead the counties can start their budgets at zero so they can decide what they want? How about we add new ideas of volunteerism? How about the concept? I'll give you two interesting concepts. One, instead of me focusing on lowering taxes, how about I focus instead on raising money through ways other than taxation and through lowering spending? Here's one idea that does both of those. We have uh, bridges right now in New York State, and one of them is named the Mario Cuomo Bridge. We literally have an imperial bridge named after our royal family. That's embarrassing. 
How about instead that bridge is named the Staples Bridge or the, the Verizon Bridge or the Apple Bridge, and we can lease naming rights for the bridge. We retain the asset. Again, I'm a business guy. I'm not giving my asset up. I'm going to lease naming rights. No hybrid model that fails every time. Straight contractual. That's all. These are companies that are paying billions of dollars right now every year on marketing. They drop $20 million on a stadium name that's used on the weekends. I got a bridge you can name, and that bridge gets mentioned hundreds of times on every single day during rush hour in a 16-person, 16 16-million-person uh, 16 metro area, and hundreds of thousands of cars pass it every single day. You will easily drop $50 million on that, if not more. I on love that. that I don't, that, Texas, hang on just a second. Texas, New York's not going to listen to this guy. Texas, you should listen to this guy. This is a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. But here's the best part. Now we have them do a maintenance. Again, we own it, so we still, it, we still inspect it. So damage is still our responsibility. Their job is just to repair it, right? They begin to repair it. What does that mean? We're not spending money on the repairs, lower spending. Not just that. Contracts don't come through Albany, less corruption. Someone else is spending, is spending it, so guess what? We'll actually fix bridges. Bridges right now in New York State collapse. We don't have enough money. These guys do. We'll actually have safer bridges, less money, and guess what? We can stop with tolls. In New York, in New York City, some bridges cost $15 to cross. I know. If you're a truck driver, I know from being a truck driver, you pay by the axle. You're dropping 75 to 100 bucks to cross a bridge. Less money, less corruption, safer, better service. Boom, we raise billions of dollars. This is just one idea, and there are many of them. No one else talks about them. This is what we have to work on in New York State. We can so, do that. So, Larry, you are, you, it's amazing to me how we are running headlong just willing to give up everything that we have already the the freedoms that we have and embrace democratic socialism yes but we won't embrace this very american idea how do you how do you get the common sense democrat and republican who has been raised in new york so their mentality is i mean this would sell in texas how do you get them in New York to see, it, guys, this this, this It's already this selling works. to be forward. The Republicans in New York have given up. I mean, they don't show up. Uh, the Democrats uh, think, I'm afraid, so let's just vote Democrat. The reality of it is, again, 70% of New Yorkers don't vote. Those who do vote, vote because of fear. We can't have fear be the reason why people vote. It's simply the wrong answer. Oh, man. But I would say that in reality, I'm trying to change this to make it so that people stop voting for the less of two evils and instead vote for someone. And it is working. I am actually using, if you've noticed, I'm using non-traditional media. Traditional media does not want to cover me, and polls don't want to deal with me. But non-traditional media is working, and I'm getting out there, and people are seeing me, they're responding to me, and this is what's working. The way to make this happen is through non-traditional media. And believe it or not, people are getting it. They actually like it. I hear all the time people say, Larry, I don't agree with everything you're saying, but you actually answer questions. You actually have a plan. And they love it. And that's what I say. And look, my plan may be faulty. Maybe they won't we can't lease all the bridges. Maybe we can't raise fifty billion. Maybe we can only raise thirty billion. That's oh, still a win. Yeah, I know. Okay, I'm still so happy with that. Let, let, let me ask you: Can I hold you over for one more break? Yes. Okay, uh, hold you over and and tell me how we fix education and higher education. It's out of control. It's it's postmodernist. It's indoctrinating and it's enslaving our children to debt. When we come back, Larry Sharp, 
I have to tell you, if I was living in New York and I was a Republican, I can't I cannot imagine a reason why I would not vote for him. The Dem- the, De- the Democrat is going to win against the Republican. Why would you not get into this camp and shake things apart? Larry Sharp running for governor of New York. Back in just a second. First, our sponsor is Liberty Safe, the number one manufacturer of uh, safes in the nation. And they've sold more than two million safes. You know, I love my job. I love my job. I get to I get to um, uh, do business with these sometimes a little nutty you know, inventors or these these crazy people. And they start out advertising with us years ago. And they were they were, you know, just they were people who had a great product, but it was local. That's Liberty Safe. When Liberty Safe started with us, they'd been in business for a long time, but they weren't like they are now. Now you go into a Cabela's. If you see a safe and it says Cabela's, that's a Liberty Safe rebranded. And in fact, it's my understanding that Cabela's is actually saying you don't need to rebrand us because your brand is now known to Cabela's and Cabela's customers and they're asking for a liberty and they're like well that's just that is the cabela safe they're made here in america they are the best built uh and it's this great company of americans doing it right you want your valuable safe you want to be protected from fire or you know tornado or or just a burglar coming in get a liberty safe libertysafe.com go to libertysafe.com All right. NAFTA has been renegotiated. We don't have any of the details, but I'm anxious to see this uh, deal and see what um, Donald Trump has brought to NAFTA. We're back with uh, Larry Sharp. Uh, He's running for governor in New York. How do we how do we change education in New York? How would you change it? We have to rebuild it from the bottom up. I mean, it is totally, completely broken. We dropped $22,000 per kid, and at best get mediocre results. And the first thing is ending standardized testing until high school. No standardized testing until high school. Standardized testing is an unfair way way of grading teachers, an unfair way of rewarding schools. It makes kids who are 10, 11, and 12 who don't test well feel stupid and creates a second class of student in elementary school. That's embarrassingly bad, and it is absolutely no indication of success in life for the future. That has to go away. But when that goes away, a couple things will happen. In New York State, Common Core will go away. Good. I don't have a problem letting Common Core go away. I'm the only guy who says, let teachers teach, and then does not add administrators. I'm the only one who does that. My goal is to remove administrators to allow teachers to actually teach. We have school districts in New York State where there are more administrators than teachers. That's embarrassing. So once we do that, we will find all of a sudden we'll be able to get rid of a lot of administrators. An average teacher in New York State makes about 80K. The average administrator makes over six figures. You get rid of two administrators, that's either two new teachers or raises or more equipment. And to our point earlier, I don't decide what that is. The school district does. They know what they need, and they can repair how they want to repair. How are you going to, how you going to deal with the unions? I oh. mean, the unions in New York are out of control. The, well, with the Janus decision, it helps, obviously. But the issue here becomes, I'm not anti-union in any way, shape, or form. The union leadership hates me because they're establishment. The union workers love me because I'm the only one who will tell them I will negotiate openly, transparently with every union. Unions are literally, in the First Amendment, they are... Freedom of speech, sure. plus freedom of association. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as long as they're not forced to join, I don't have a problem with them at all. The actual union members love me. 
So that's why teachers are always behind me. But I'm. But I was asking you about the unions are in such control that you're paying. The state is paying for teachers that have that have abused children, and yet they are sitting in rubber rooms. And that's my point. Once, once most of that is happening because of both Albany and D.C. control and Albany and D.C. money. From D.C., we get about $4 billion every year, and that controls a lot. When that money begins to go away, number one, that will help. But second thing is, I'm not beholden to union leadership. If they get mad at me, so what? Union leadership's not going to vote for me anyway. I don't need 70% of New Yorkers to vote for me. I need 30% of those who vote. You just said $4 billion goes away from the federal government. That's correct. How are you going to, what are you going to replace that with? Absolutely. And the first thing is we're going to lose administrators, which will make things a little bit better, but that isn't enough. The second thing I want to change, K through 12. K through 12 should not exist. It should be K through 10. The last two years of high school for too many kids is, you know, gym, study hall, uh, playing video games. Mm. It's, it's doing nothing. How do we know this? The first year of college for too many kids is 13th grade. Mm-hmm. They're not ready for college. Mm-hmm. And it takes over six years for the average kid to graduate college. We're failing here. So how about instead at 16, you get, you get your high school diploma if you pass a test. Done. Now you have several options. Option one, if you think uh, uh, college is good for you, awesome. Go to, a, go to a very good two-year prep school to get you into the school you want. So now you're ready to get to that, uh, that school. You can get there. You can take advantage of incubators, uh, of internships, maybe graduate in three years, and now you're rocking and rolling. You don't like that? No worries. You're the super smart kid, the kid that tests well. Awesome. Take your SAT at 16. Start your path onto your doctorate right away. Get a two-year degree right then and there. By 18, you have an associate's degree. You don't want to do that. No worries. Go to a trade school. New York State is starving for tradesmen. Starving. The average tradesman in New York State is 50. I love my 50-year-old tradesmen, but you should not be the average. The average should be more like 30. So we're training people. We don't, which is why we have a, a, a desperate requirement for tradesmen and foreign labor. We need our kids to be jumping into trades like there's no tomorrow, and we push them away so they're not important. And Larry, we are. I am I am finally out of time with you. I'd love to have you back before the election because I would like to talk to you about finances and the financial sector, which I think is abused in uh, in New York and Absolutely. and abuses New York. Um, Larry Sharp, he's gubernatorial candidate in New York. How do people find you? What's the web address? Larry Sharp for New York or LarrySharp.com. And don't forget it is Larry Sharp with an E and the E stands for electable. <laughs> Larry Sharp with an E <laughs> dot com. Thanks, Larry. We'll talk again. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I'm interested to see the details of the new NAFTA plan. Donald Trump says instead of jobs leaving America, they are excited that jobs will be now coming back uh, to America. That's quite a statement. Love to see what's in it. I hope it is as good as he uh, he says it is. Pat Gray is joining us now real quick. He's uh, got the uh, Pat Gray podcast and uh, uh, and on the Blaze Radio Network right after this show. Some people would call it uh, Pat Gray Unleashed, but I know you wouldn't. Uh, no, I wouldn't, because I'm not good at those things. I'm not good at those things. I'm good at helping name shows. I'm not good at remembering the and names. And I think it was your idea initially. It was. You still can't get it. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. It's amazing. So, so anyway, anyway, Pat Gray Unleashed, you can find it on iTunes and Stitcher and, and wherever you find uh, your uh, your podcast. Or you can listen to them on the Blaze Radio Network. Mm-hmm. Now, your outrage of the day. Uh, this license plate collection that's going on by the government. You know those little signs that tell you how fast you're going? Yeah. They're starting to use those to collect licenses. It's not just to warn you, hey, you're going 33 instead of 30. 
they're also recording your license plate number in there and keeping it on file just in case you ever commit a crime, which is fantastic. Because point zero zero five percent of people uh, that they're recording and collecting their data mm-hmm. are actual criminals. Mm. So five thousandths of one percent. If we can of the save people, one child, it's Pat, worth it. It could save it's one worth child. It. So what's your problem with this? Why why don't you feel comfortable with the government having um, your whereabouts? Well, all because time? I don't know what the government is going to consider, you know, uh, bad in the future. Um, you know, between between this, the NSA collection of email and phone calls, and civil asset forfeiture, this just isn't America anymore. No, it's not. And and we need to wake up and realize and, that. And I would like to add one other deal that Brett Kavanaugh, me too, kind of stuff. Right. Where right. the first step is That's a just big thing too. dumping stuff out. Have you seen the we're, new... We're not even innocent until proven guilty right. anymore. There's the new... You know, we've been talking about deep fakes for a while now, and I don't think most people even know what a deep fake is, but deep fakes, they have just hit another milestone, and that is your gait uh, and your mannerisms, that it can now mimic... It can take a video of you... And it can take uh, another video or they can just type in what they want it to say. And they can take a video of you moving, talking, walking, doing whatever. And then they can shape a fake you doing and saying whatever they want it to say. And now the mannerisms, the gait, the expressions. In your voice. The voice is not not good yet, good enough to fool anybody. Wow. But it is twice as good as it was last year. And it is starting to move. It's starting to... You you cannot tell the difference with an exception of just a few things are glitchy. By 2020, this is going to play a role. And whose program is that? Is that a Google thing? Is it... Uh, I don't know who's working on. I don't know who's working on them. A lot of people are working on them. Can you imagine the stuff we can get uh, Jeffy convicted for now? <laughs> and and we mean, don't even have to fake, right? No, that's not even real video. That's the well, amazing I mean, thing. This about is the it. fake me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, Jeff Fisher is also joining us because he's starting a new podcast today, uh, Chewing the Fat with Chewing Jeff Fisher. Very excited. Yeah. Been doing a segment uh, on Pat Unleashed for a few months now, and it's just, you know it's only time to expand. Everything else has. Yeah. Might as well. <laughs> podcast might as well. <laughs> Uh, uh, I mean, you're well aware of that one. <clears throat> is that a fat joke back on me? It definitely is. It definitely yes. is. Yes. It, definitely is yes. it was okay so, when you said it about yourself, but yeah. when you bring it to oh, other people, did you hear no, the hurt? Exactly. So wrong. I mean, that was really so wrong. Was Why would he attack you like that? I don't that? know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so wow. fat. So the uh, <laughs> thank you. The podcast. The podcast comes out today. Yes, it starts today, Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. uh, every afternoon. Mm-hmm. And and and. Remind me again why I thought it was worth paying you to do this. <laughs> what What are you doing on your first? What are you doing on your first show? Yeah, I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't yeah. know, Glenn. Yeah, look, look. You can worry about the end of time. Blah blah blah. <laughs> we need to worry about the saving of the Constitution. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, the world's gonna. I got it. But nobody. <laughs> people want to be able to go home and laugh with their kids a little bit, right? Yeah. So, sure. I mean, really, they want to make it instead of going home. Wanting to, you know, end it, end their life, <laughs> which you know, a lot of times I have done. Yes. So, uh, you know, I just want to be able to have people uh, know what's going on in the world, but give them a little bit of a laugh. You know, let them mm-hmm. think about things, and we still talk about stuff that's going on. I mean, my favorite internet poll of the weekend was: uh, if your 16 year old daughter needed to get a ride home at night alone, who would you want to give her a ride? 
Brett Kavanaugh, Joe Biden, Anthony Weiner, Bill Clinton. I mean, it's something to think about. Who's the thought? Who's the thought? I mean, I, I think I think we all know what That's the answer point. is. Oh my God! Brett Boy, Kavanaugh, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, you can add Bill Cosby in there. Just uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Bill wasn't driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's shouldn't a, drive at night either. No, you shouldn't. Yeah, yeah no. and after after a few drinks, why wouldn't Bill? you go get your own kid? Really? I mean, I mean, if those well, are your choices, I would well, pick. Right. I would pick Brett, and he could take him home. But <laughs> it's interesting. I was, I was talking to somebody who has a uh, a son who's about to go to college, and they were talking about what to do. Right? Like, as as this is a different era you're going into, and their advice was: if you're ever at a party and there is a girl who is you know drunk. Uh, what would you normally do in the old days? You would you'd take, you'd them, take home. them home. You'd make sure they were taken care of for that night. Never. They mm-hmm. said never do that now because if I'm you good. do that, you're the person alone with this girl. God only knows what happens. So, so look at this. Later. Look at yeah. this. Oh, yeah. Look at this. Yeah. Is this not? Is I? I don't want to use this word. Is this not? Uh, are you thinking of a word that starts with N and ends in Atsi? <laughs> Is that where this no, is going? No, it starts with E and ends in Phil. Uh, <laughs> look what it's doing. It is it is making us afraid to do what the Lord would have What's the right us thing do. To do. Right, help other the people. right yeah. thing. Help yeah. them. Yeah. Make sure they're taken care of. They're out of control. Less blah, interaction, blah, blah. and it stops us from doing that. And if we stop doing that, then who does it? Yeah, and, the and, state. Mm-hmm. And if the good guy doesn't step in to make sure the girl gets home alone, mm-hmm. she's left with the bad guys. Yeah. The ones who aren't thinking that way. Yeah. And God only knows it could actually increase these incidents. Uh, oh, this, yeah. I think this kind of stuff will. I mean, I think this is going to. This is eventually, if this doesn't stop, perpetrators will be hiding in plain sight. They'll just be like, yep. Because nobody will care. Nobody will believe anything anymore. Mm. You can't. They've. It's like racism. We know that racism exists, but it has been so overplayed. It really mm-hmm. takes somebody to say, I think that guy's a racist. I think it, take, yeah. it takes a lot for you to say, really? Why do you say that? Yeah. You have to. There has to be like legitimate convincing evidence. Right. Yes. Now it's like, yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. And he's a he's a he's a bigot misogynist as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just mm-hmm. a throwaway term now. One of the things I'm excited about on the uh, Jeff Fisher podcast, Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher, if you search for Jeff Fisher on iTunes, it'll come up, um, is, and this week we experienced this back in the day with this show on Pat and Stu. I know I'm Pat Gray Unleashed. Jeffy has a, a unique <laughs> ability to find these stories, and they they always make me a tad uncomfortable when he goes through them, but uh, that's kind of the world Jeffy lives in, mm-hmm. and it's it always he always adds something to... Uh, to to your understanding of the news mm-hmm. and the the bizarre trends that are just ahead. Yes. Uh, so I am excited to see this in full form. I'm excited to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Look, there's, you know, I, I'm here to help too. I mean, you know, reminding sure. people that, you know, there's 85 days till Christmas. There you go. Just counting them down. Think of <laughs> yeah. that. You yeah. know, I mean, there's only, what, 30 some days left until the election that we're all worried about oh my God. Uh, right. coming on. And how, and how many hours before the fat man arrives? Mm. I mean, your podcast. <laughs> oh, no. wait, that's, that's, that's a different. That's He's a just different not day. jolly. That's yeah. the only, <laughs> only difference. How we're going to have it for you, you know, 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern. Okay, we'll, good. We'll, wherever your favorite podcast now, is here's, sold. Here's the free. thing. Um, I saw that you uh, vetoed uh, the uh, logo for the show. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I don't know if you know this, but you don't veto here. So what do you mean you don't veto? You I don't veto. They asked me what I liked. And yeah, I, and you I said that one, that and one. I really don't like the other one. No, I didn't it, say I really don't like the other one. I just like the other one better. Is this the one yeah, that I, I saw, the one that uh, seemed to have Jeffy's face Seared uh, into a steak. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is a great. One. And you Was notice your his cheek. Yeah, his yeah. cheek. His cheek is right on the fat to the marbling of the steak. It's that's why. That's why I like the other one better. And, and yeah. you said no to that. He said no How to do that. How do you say no to that? Yeah, that will be up when that's you go perfect. by this afternoon. When you go to download uh, chewing the fat with Jeff is Fisher, it, is it perfect? It's, it is you'll perfect. see it. You'll see it because that they. I heard on Friday. No, Jeffy really doesn't want that. I said, I'm going to talk to Jeff on Monday. That's, that's the logo. That's I mean, the logo. Even if you don't get to listen today, you no, have you to just, at least go and check out the logo. Yeah, you just yeah. Go, to, go to iTunes and subscribe yes. right now just because you don't even have to listen to it. It'll make you laugh every day when it pops up. <laughs> you'll just see him in a marbled steak and you'll be like, yeah, that. Yep. yep that's, that's what he should have used. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Jeff. Pat, thank you. The Pat Gray uh, radio extravaganza. Otherwise, Pat Gray Unleashed. Yes, otherwise known as Pat Gray Unleashed. Uh, and Chewing the Fat with Jeff Fisher. Those are the two podcasts you should go subscribe to right now. The, what, you'll see the one with the steak marbling his face <laughs> later on. <laughs> deal now. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure that's a done deal. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right. Let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's um, American Finance. American finance is great. You you want to buy a house? You know, there's nothing there's nothing worse than oh, sitting around and waiting for the loan approval. You don't you hate that? Once you've made the decision to make to, to buy the house, then you have to wait for them to do all. Well, the, yeah, because they, they a lot of places treat it like it's a gift to you. Right? It's like, Here's your present. You now right. owe us a lot of money. Right. I'd rather have someone who's honest with me about it and right. says, "Hey, look, this is a big investment. You got to make sure you're doing it the right way. Here's the here's the best options. Here's what we think. Here's the, your other options if you want to try those." I'd rather you have someone, nobody. No bank. I've I, I don't know how many houses I've bought in my life. Uh, no bank has ever said to me, okay, so let's start here. This is what it's going to cost. Yeah, no, it cost. Yeah, no, cost. We're, this is a, like you winning the lottery, right? right? Give you all this money. We're giving you a loan. No, that's not how this works. Yeah, it sucks. Anyway, American financing takes all of the pain out of it for you. It's, it's really fast turnaround. Uh, they have access to every loan in the industry. They're not a bank, so they are not trying to sell you uh, one instrument or the other. They don't work for commission either. They work for you. They have an A-plus rating with the BBB and over 1,800 Google reviews. They offer the convenience of e-sign. They'll do it on your schedule. There's no upfront fees. There's no hassle. Again, they work for you. You need to refinance or you need a new loan. AmericanFinancing.net. You're buying a home, AmericanFinancing.net. Or call 800 906 2440. That's 800 906 2440 at AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So this Kanye. This Kanye West thing is just amazing. Um, he says he was bullied behind stage uh, by the Saturday Night Live crew and staff saying, come on, man, you can't wear the Trump hat. And he wore the Trump hat. And uh, and then he gave, a you know, a, a pro Trump speech that was edited out of the uh, out of the show. But on the way back, he tweets on his on his airplane 
just him in the Trump hat. And he tweets something about, uh, you know, we got to abolish the 13th Amendment. And the left goes crazy. And they're just all about how he wants to bring slavery. See, that's what Trump people are like. They want to bring slavery back. Really? Really? You want to play that game? I can understand that from conservatives. But do me a favor. I just want you to Google 13th Amendment Huffington Post. See how many stories come up. That is not about abolishing slavery. That is about saying that we never abolished slavery. That the 13th Amendment was just a ruse. That we went from the plantation to the prisons. That's what that meant. He's talking about prison reform. And everybody on the left knows it. Everyone. But because he has a Trump hat on, now they're going to act. They're going to act as if that isn't what he was talking about. This African-American guy wants slavery, slavery, which is just ridiculous. Just so dishonest. I've always found it. It is interesting that the, the 13th Amendment did not outlaw slavery. Is it neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as punishment for a crime, whereof the party has been duly convicted, shall exist in the United States or any place uh, subject to their jurisdiction? So it is. It does make that Chain distinction um, that you, if you commit a crime and you're in prison, then you ha- you can have to work mm-hmm. uh, under those circumstances, um, which is something that we all kind of understand. Is kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, that there there's is no. An pl- I mean, you're it. making license plates. Whatever you're doing, it's not. It, it, right. There's nothing bad. It shouldn't have been called slavery. It should have been abolished, and there should be a, an amendment it, that says that you know you can have this but th- this is this is a, an activist uh exactly situation right. where the thir- people who are for prison reform for uh you know letting people out of prisons are saying that basically you're arresting black people to get them to be slaves Correct. so you can, you can still be within Correct. the 13th amendment this is this is postmodernist uh nonsense to the nth degree and in case you're wondering a lot of people are thinking oh kanye west is a conservative he's got the maga hat on he obviously likes some of the stuff trump is doing but this is not a conservative argument by any means he's no. not an ideological conservative no More but than- but he is i mean that's his language of saying we need prison reform well i agree i think we need prison reform too yeah it's a generic statement right it's yeah. certainly not a perfect but he's uh, using the reason right. why the left is getting away with uh, you know making his tweet look racist is because they they know this language. He's using their, their language. language. Right. And, and again, shows that they don't care about the issue as much as they care about political power. Yep. The fact he's supporting their far left viewpoint. Yes. Right. Yes. Kanye West is, is, is echoing a far left rallying cry, a cry yep. of activists. Yep. And they'd rather trash him because of the hat he wears. Right. That, that shows the depth of this. Right. It, this is all about power. Again, it's not about the principle. You think you think the left cares about prison reform. Kanye West and his wife have done now more with Donald Trump on prison reform than a lot of presidents mm-hmm. have done oh, yeah. and a lot of celebrities. They're more interested in killing his career and reputation and smearing him than actually getting prison reform done. That should tell you something about who they are and a little something perhaps about how they're dealing with Brett Kavanaugh as well. Glenn Beck, Mercury.